And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will C, and you're in the place to be, coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York. And I'm always joined by my wonderful co-host via Skype once again. I need you in studio, bud. The one and only Sean Thomas. Sean, how are you? Well, I'm dodging raindrops, but besides that, I'm doing pretty well, man. How are you, man? Uh, you know, I'm hanging in there, too. You know, just trying to dodge raindrops before. I'm obviously soaked from head to toe somewhat, but hey, you know what? It is what it is. It's all good. We're here. We're about to record a, a podcast. And speaking of recording a podcast, just want to give a quick shout out here to Miles, our wonderful producer. He's awesome with a capital A. Always, always awesome. He's controlling the ones and twos back over there. And just wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Body Armor. Go out there and have a bottle of Body Armor if you haven't yet. Tell him Will sent you and Sean sent you as well. On that note. That's right. On that note. Um, Sean, I know we've been talking a lot about trying to get hockey on. And, you know, we've been basically skipping over that over the past couple of weeks. But, uh you know, with a little bit of information here and there with regards to the Islanders arena being, uh, looks like it's just about a, a news, you know, it's going to happen. It, it It's going to happen, whether or not many people don't want to believe it or not. It's going to be a reality coming to you at the end of August. And, you know, we'll start off with the Islanders right now, too, since we've been Basically neglecting them, Sean. I know you want to get talking about your. Uh, you want to get a couple of hockey points out of your system right now. Um, what's your take so far on this uh, Islanders offseason? Because I know they re-signed Jordan Eberle, they re-signed Brock Nelson, they signed Varmalov to that four-year deal, looking like he's probably going to be here for two, and then Ilya Sorokin will be coming over from the KHL once. Uh, Thomas Grice's contract ends, but uh, and Andrews Lee resigns too. The captain. What's your take so far on this offseason? Well, my take is that Lou definitely is trusting the process. The Islanders had some money to spend, but they also had had a lot of guys in house that were free. And you know, well, like you said, Andrews Lee, the captain, he could have left, but he stayed. But I'll get back to him in one uh, a second one. Uh, Eberle, he stayed, and you know, obviously, as you as you mentioned the last show, will it was very sad to see Robin Leonard go, especially after the season that he had, winning mm-hmm. the, uh, the awards and you know, so on and so forth. But I mean, you know, I think that's just Lou trusting. I know what I'm saying like Lou knows what he has in house. The higher ups know what they have in house, and I know they made an offer to. Panarin, who I'm sure we'll get into uh, in a few, and Panarin took less money to go across the street <laughs> to Madison Square. But, you know, well, well, as we spoke about it before, sometimes the best deal you make is the one that you don't make. Right. That's and 100% think, right. Right. And I think the Panarin deal, I'm not saying it, it would have handicapped us, but obviously if we would have signed Panarin, we wouldn't have re-signed and- Anders Lee. And I kind of feel a way about that because I feel like we only re-signed Andrews Lee because we didn't get uh, Panarin. So to me, it's like, how much faith does the organization have in Andrews Lee? 
because it's like, you know, yeah, he's the captain and he's one of the best players on the team. Maybe pound for pound, the, the best player on the team. But at the end of the day, you wanted to get somebody that, you know, you deem better than him and was willing to pay someone more than him. So to me, it's almost like he was like a fullback. And we're even lucky to have him because he was free to talk to, to you know, other teams, which he did. But obviously, we, you know, we're able to come back and uh, sign him. But my only concern this offseason, to make a long story short, Will, is... The, is that players who we didn't expect anything from at the beginning of last year who had great seasons are, are now gone. Leonard, obviously, he tops the list. But Valtteri Fupolo, another guy who was a one-year deal, let's take a flyer, see what he does. He's no longer here. He moved on. So we're going to have to find some guys who can fill that role. But who believes that those guys are in-house? He's going to bring up the guys that he thinks could play, and he wants to stay the course and I think he's kind of doing the opposite of what Brian Cashman did with, with the uh, Yankees. Well, remember we spoke about the accelerated rebuild that that they had because nobody was expecting them to get as far as they did a couple of seasons back. I think that Lou, instead of going out and spending and making trades and deals, he wants to keep everything in-house, stay the course, at least for one more year, see how... Barzell does in his third year, see how other guys do with a second year under Barry Trotz, and then maybe next off season uh, he makes a move. So that's my take. Well, I, I when looking at the Andrews Lee situation, his agent and even Andrews Lee came out and said themselves that they were going to go out and even with if Panarin were to sign here with the Islanders, that you know he wanted to stay and he you know it's been clearly said and stated that Anders Lee, you know, wants to be an Islander for life. So that's that's first and foremost right there. Uh, secondly, you know, when looking at this uh, young, talented core here with the Barzals of the world and the Anthony Beauvilliers, uh, you know, even Ryan Pulak for that matter, and Adam Pellick, I can't believe we're saying Adam Pellick here on this show as far as being a building block goes for the Islanders, but yet here we are talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's it's crazy, you know, how in a matter of a year, after that certain 91, that number 91 that was the captain of this franchise for almost, uh, you know, almost nine years, leaves. Everything's bleak. They play the season. They go out. They get their 103 points. And then the next thing you know, it's like, you know, what's going on here? You know what I mean? They go on. They believe in the system. They play this, you know, defensive style system. And then they sweep the Penguins. Everybody thought that the Penguins were going to roll them over, turn out to be the opposite. And then going up against Carolina, you know, a couple bad calls that went against the Islanders. And then the next thing you know, it's, you know... What's going on over here? But as far as the offseason goes now with this team, and Sean, you hit it right on the head too with Valtteri Filpula. Him leaving leaves a little bit of a hole, but the Islanders do feel like that they could put another player in-house, whether it be a Koivula, whether it be an Anthony Bovillier transitioning himself maybe from the winger slot over to the 
uh, center, centerman's position, which he even he came out himself and said that, look, listen, he feels comfortable being a centerman in the, uh, in, in the NHL. So why not do that, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and the other thing, too, Will, is that, you know, we could have threw major money at Sergei Borowski. I'm pretty sure I said his name wrong, but... You, no, you, you said know, it right. Awesome, awesome. But, you know, well, again, it's loose staying the course. He said, you know what? I know uh, Bramalov is for 31, I think. So I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, exactly right. I think it's going to gonna be one of those, you know, two-year deals where, you know, we'll, you know, you know he'll start, Grice will start, so on and so forth. And then, you know, obviously we have a lot of uh, talent and, you know, the minor hockey league and the KHL and AHL, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see, you know, where those guys, what those guys can do from the goalie uh, standpoint uh, uh, coming up. But my fear, Will, is that, you know, because we had a season that nobody expected or very, very few expected, if staying house leads us to a point where, you know, other teams passed us and other teams are playing better than us, people aren't going to like Lou that much. And and I was actually listening to sports uh, radio, uh, I think a week and a half ago, or like uh, two weeks back, and somebody said, you know, free agents were afraid to come to the Islanders world because they don't feel Lou is going to be in the position he's in for too long. We have to keep in mind, Lou is like a 70-something year old guy. He's 76. He's so, I mean, going on 77. Right. He's in his late 70s. Right. We get right. that. So, Right. So that was something that I heard. I don't know I don't know if that's true, but whether it's true or not, it is a valid point because you kind of want to, you know, be brought in under the, I don't want to say the agreement that the GM or the head of ops is going to be there, but well, Lou probably doesn't even know how long he's going to be be there for. So, I mean, I am confident Lou and Barry Trotz did an outstanding job in year one. I trust what they're doing. I trust the guys in-house. And to me, and I'm sure you will uh, agree well, to me, this is a challenge to the guys that are on the team. This is a challenge to Matt Barzal to become a 30-40 goal a scorer. This is a challenge to Andersley to become a 90-100 point guy. This is a challenge to Jordan and uh, Debbie. You wanted your deal? We gave you your deal. Now go out and give us a 20-goal, 30-goal a season. So I like that approach. Obviously, you know, the other half of the fans would like to see a uh, Panarin, a uh, Duchesne who went to uh, the um, uh, the Predators, so on and so forth. So we shall see, but I'm going to trust the process that uh, Lou is all on. And you know what? You look at what Lou Amarillo has said over the past maybe year since he's taken over the helm as the Islanders general manager. And the one thing that kind of stood out with me when – Lamarillo was talking about some of the young younger prospects was if you keep them in the minor leagues for too long, sometimes it's better to keep them in that position for a little bit longer than having to rush them up so fast. And you got to see, we got to see as fans, 
watching guys like Michael Dow Cole play. Finally, he got his chance. He finally got his chance. Well, last year he got his chance, but he wound up getting sent down. He had to improve on his skating a little bit. But it wound up happening. He was a grinder. He was, you know, he was doing his thing. And another guy that came up this year too, Joshua Hosang. You know, the guy played absolutely, he played good. He played good for his, you know, limited amount of time up here. And then they wound up sending him back down. But the point of the matter is this, Sean, you know, like you said, it's better to have the young talent that's in place right now and you have them under team control. And on top of that, you know, you look at it and you just say to yourself, okay, not only do we have these two kids coming up, you have the you have the goalie prospect, Linus uh, Soderstrom, coming up. Maybe he'll, you know, God forbid, Grice gets hurt or, or even Varmalov gets hurt. He's there waiting in the wings with uh, Chris Gibson. Uh, you know, Noah Dobson is another guy, young defenseman, 19, going to be 20. The scouting report and even everybody's saying that this kid is the future. He is the truth. Remains to be seen, but, you know, Anything's possible there. And then, you know, we look at trots and we look at what's going on w- with this situation. Remember that this is his his first year on the island, okay? And like we said, nobody, nobody thought that this team would have made it this far. And now everybody's expecting somewhat of a a little bit of regression here as far as the national media goes. I mean, look at what happened with the Devils and the Flyers. Uh, last season after making it to the postseason. They wound up missing the the whole thing. But, uh, you know, it's just something that, like I said, it remains to be seen. And the guys, all those guys got their money. But the main thing is the chemistry here. You got to build on it. You got to definitely thrive off of it here. And to have, you know, three out of the top four guys with Leonard going, it's just absolutely unbelievable, and that's another thing too. Robin Leonard going, I mean, my goodness, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, well, but and but I think something that you know us as fans and other fans look at as well is the fact that you know it's hard not to look at other teams, see them making moves, and obviously wonder where our big move is coming from. The devil shocked the NHL world by trading for a P.K. Subban. You add that to Taylor Hall, who just won the MVP um, a season ago. And then in free agency, they go out and they sign Wayne Simmons, who is one of my favorite players. And then the first overall pick, they get Jack Hughes. We don't know how fast Hughes is going to come up, but you know, by all accounts, people are saying he's the next uh, superstar. And then... Obviously, the team across the street, the Rangers, you know, they make the Jacob uh, Truba deal. And then they get uh, uh, Panarin for a boatload of money. So, obviously, well, when the two other Tri-State area teams are making big moves, like, you know, both of them did, obviously, you know, from a from a fan fan standpoint we're like okay you know where's our big move where's our big trade but you know but you know it goes back to this trusting rule like you said well he's only been on the job for 
maybe 370 days, <laughs> 300 and in, and it was saying 80 days, and it's been a and it's been a hell of a first year, you know, from 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 where he picked the team up to where we are at now. It's a complete 180 uh, uh, um, degree right. return, but mm-hmm. I do get the frustration that you know some of the fans have because I mean, hey, you know, I mean, look, you know, on how do how do I I put this well? On paper, the Rangers and the Devils on paper probably have a better team than us. The keyword is on a paper, so I can see how, although how you know how you know some fans may get uh, frustrated. To that, you say what? I mean, listen, the Rangers right now, and we're going to talk about the Rangers here for a second, okay? The Rangers. After tr- making it to the Stanley Cup Finals five years ago, seems like an eternity ago for some, but for others, it's been uh, it flew by five years, right? Henrik Lundqvist is still Lundqvist is still in goal for them. How many more years of Henrik are we going to see? You got the kid, uh, Gord Gorchev, if I'm not mistaken, right? The backup young young kid young kid coming up. He looks like he's good, but who knows? Who knows what might happen there? The thing is with 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 the fans and with the fan base clamoring over uh, the Panarin move. Hey, you're paying a guy twelve million dollars to be the best player in the NHL. You know what I mean? And you know that's Connor McDavid type money right there. You know what I mean? And with everything that Panarin's done in his career, I'm not trying to. Be an Islander homer here. I'm not trying. I'm just giving you my fair assessment. I think he's a is a tremendous talent. The thing is now, past years one and two, and pe- you know when he gets in his thirties, is his skating ability going to be there? Is you know, th- this is what happens. This is what happens in the NHL. Same thing can be said when you give a guy uh, a long term deal. You look at a guy like Andrew Ladd with the Islanders. Same thing. Just about you know, you give the guy. Plenty of money after Kyle Pozo leaves for Buffalo, and how how's that turning out? You know what I mean. It's just uh, it's just not a uh, a good thing. That's why the Islanders roster right now, in my honest opinion, in my honest opinion, you already went to the playoffs. They got to see what it was like in the in the postseason, going up against the scrappy Carolina Hurricane team that wound up sweeping them. And you go up against a a uh, Pittsburgh Penguin team that won two out of the three Stanley Cups at the time, you know. So right then and there, it's a uh, it's a huge learning experience because some of the core players on that team are you know twenty one, twenty two, you know younger, you know it, it, some of their defensemen four four out of the, four of their defensemen. Mayfield, Tabes, uh, Pulak, and Pellick. That's four guys. They're under 25. Beauvillier, 20, 21, you know, 22 years old, under 25. Barzell, under 25, still a young kid. Those are six players right there, you know, as your core. They have the veteran guys there that have been there. The Anders Lee, the Josh Baileys, the Brock Nelsons. Is there some sort of regression that might come along? Who knows? 
Who knows? The bottom line here is with the Islanders, they're they're still good enough to play and be in position with those players and especially having a head coach like Barry Trotz here. It's a win-win. Well, uh, before we um, move on, Will, um, I was looking at the schedule for the uh, Islanders, Will, and obviously the home opener Friday, October 4th against the Capitals. And, Will, I think that I think this is going to start. I'm not saying it's going to be the next great rivalry, but I think it has the potential to brew into one because you got the Capitals from a coach, the Islanders, and the Capitals last year had some epic games, had some really back-and-forth games. But, you know, well, but the question that, uh, that I want to ask you about the schedule is, you know, again, the splitting of the home games, 21 at the Coliseum, 20 at uh, Barclays. And I know we've spoken about this before, so I'm not trying to, you know, you know get too, too deep into it. But if you're going to have games at NYCB, why not just have the majority there? Because, well, I'm not going to lie. I see the difference in the team when they play at the Coliseum. Well, yes, it's not as glitz and glamorous as a Berkeley Center, but who cares? And I know, and I know, October fourth against the Capitals, it's going to be rocking. When the Stanley Cup champion Blues come in on the fourteenth, it's going to be rocking. Well, even though your boy <laughs> is a year gone. November 13th, when Toronto comes in, it's going to be a rocking. So I'm not sure how much of the schedule you got to see, Will, but in terms of what you see or what you heard, uh, what do you think? Listen, I look at I look at it like this, and Sean, you hit it right on the head first and foremost. The team does respond well after playing uh, at Nassau Coliseum, way better than they do at Barclays Center. They're just, more, they're just a much more looser group out there, going out there on the ice. And uh, and playing, I got to see it firsthand every game. It's been night and day, uh, to say the very least. And then, you know, you look at Barclays, and while Barclays has, you know, the better amenities and everything like that that goes on, it is we we could keep on preaching this until the cows come home. Okay, Barclays Center isn't NYCB live. The Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. It's not. It's not the Coliseum. It's not any of that stuff at all. But having the home opener at uh, Nassau Coliseum, and then, like you said, Sean, having the Blues at uh, at the Coliseum as well does help out. You know, it's a huge advantage, you know, as opposed to the middle of the year. But the one thing here... With the Islanders' home schedule is they start off the year at NYCB live. But the at the end of the year, their last three games is basically a finish at Nassau Coliseum. A huge, huge uh, break right there, actually, you know? Actually, their last, I want to say, four games. So that's huge out of the home schedule. That's huge. And, and and you know, well, I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's going to be some tough games. you got the Minnesota Wild on the 31st of March, the Blackhawks on April 2nd, and 
the Devils, who, you know, obviously the expectations are going to be risen with the offseason that they've had, you know what I'm saying, that's April 4th. So, I mean, you know, saying, well, you know, it could be one of those things where, you know, they need to win one or two or maybe all of those games to get in. But like you said, it's going to be a huge advantage to have those games at NYCBs and at uh, Buffalo. So a very interesting, you know, home and home. I swear, it's weird. This team has a home schedule, a home schedule, and then a road schedule. It really, really is weird. So hopefully this arena in Belmont gets passes because because they need their own home. And look, listen, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Barclays Center says, you know what? Hey, look, we want to switch one of the games out over from Barclays to NYCB Live, and I'm sure the Islanders will gladly accept that. You know, that, that'll that probably happen. That's just me, though. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, moving on now from our Islanders talk to our baseball talk. And, you know, Sean, you talk about the All-Star game happening as the uh, American League winds up winning 4-3. to three. Shane Bieber winds up getting the All-Star Game MVP after striking out the side in the, uh, in last night's, uh, or two night, yeah, Tuesday's contest, excuse me. You know, you look at it and you just say to yourself, that was some really good ball that they played, you know, that everybody played in general. It was a close game, even though it was an exhibition. Everybody tried, everybody played hard, and like we said before in, in a previous episode, if I remember correctly, baseball is the only sport, as far as an all-star game goes, in which those players give it their all, no matter what. Well, it was a, it was a pretty, pretty crisp game. It was a quick game. It was a two-hour and a 48-minute game, so it went really, really fast. You know what I'm saying? Cleveland did an outstanding job. I have yet to hear one complaint about what uh, Cleveland did over those, uh, you know, saying uh, three, four days. So, and Cleveland has also hosted the most All-Star games with six now. So obviously, maybe baseball wants to continue going there because they've obviously done a very good job. But you know, the game went well. You know, obviously both teams were well represented. Both teams had impact on the game. Jacob Degrom struck out two out of the three battles he faced. Uh, Pete. Uh, Lonzo drove in uh, two runs and well I heard this on sports uh, radio uh, yesterday people said that Rodis Chapman in the All-Star game looked as good as they've seen him all season that's a scary that's thought crazy. <laughs> in a All-Star game when he's going up against All-Stars yeah. <laughs> he looked the best that they've seen him and I think he had I don't know what pitches he throws other than the fastball, but I think he threw like a 96 mile per hour. I think, I think Joe Buck said it was a splitter. Right. Well, a 96 mile per hour splitter is unlawful. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Unlawful. And I believe the battle was Grandal. I mean, he swung right over that thing, but it looked like a fastball, and it was a splitter. So, obviously, the Yankees they, um, and the Mets, and obviously, well, I'm sure you're about to get your two of us, but I'll just beat you to it. 
what an all-star game. I mean, sorry, what a home run uh, derby that was put on a mon- Monday night. I do think, and well, as happy as I am that Pete uh, Hanzo won it, and I think he's going to be a fixture in, in that thing for years to come. And, and you know, and, you know, he's probably, you know, even though the Mets are having a down year row, I'm pretty sure he's going to aim for that Aaron Judge 56 home run um, um, mark that Judge did a couple of seasons back. Row. But the point that I want to make is MLB has to do something about this home run uh, derby row. How does a man hit 91 home runs, 91 home runs and lose? That is crazy. Bro. Well, well, it happened. <laughs> listen, it happened in 2008. Josh Hamilton had those epic home runs over at the old Yankee Stadium. And who wound up winning it, Sean? Who wound up winning the home run derby that year in 2008? I'm going to ask you this question. Who? 2008. Yeah. This was a Yankee uh, Stadium, right? Yeah. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it was Morneau. It was it was Justin Morneau from the Twins. That is absolutely 100% correct on that, sir. And you know okay. what? Look, listen. You could have the most home runs and do everything like that. It's the same thing in the NBA with the three-point contest. The guy could hit the most threes in a round, you know, and everything gets – you move on to the next round and you play. You play up against the guy. You know what I mean? I I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that, to be honest with you. You know, I don't. But those, but those guys showcased an absolute, absolute great, great display right there of power and – you know, hand-eye coordination, trying to hit a baseball, everything like that, going far. I mean, you talk about a contest that, you know, another contest that actually cares about the product on the field. That's that's one of them right there, the home run derby. Yeah, and, you know, and it sucked that Christian uh, Yelich uh, pulled out. It really, really sucks, I am saying. Uh, he got hurt because Lord knows a show that he would have uh, put on. I really wanted to see Cody... <laughs> Uh, Bellinger do it because I'm sure he would have probably been the favorite if he would have um 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 uh, played well because obviously the NL MVP is probably going to come down to those two guys, uh, Yelich again and uh, Cody uh, uh Bellinger. But mm-hmm. it was a good All Star um uh, All Star you know couple of days and obviously the Yankees return home for Toronto and the Mets are down in uh South Beach to take on uh the uh Harlan so. We shall see uh, how it goes. But, Will, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, the first half, any uh, first half uh, storylines that uh, stick out so far? Uh, I mean, everybody's going to talk about the Yankees and what the Yankees have accomplished as far as what they've done with the roster that really at the beginning of the year was this mega colossal all-star lineup. And then everybody gets hurt and then they say, oh, well – they're not going to win. They're not going to win games. Well, they kind of proved a lot of people wrong in that instance, and they wound up playing the games. And even though they went up against a uh, a uh, under five hundred, you know, a couple under five hundred teams during the beginning of the year, um, that gets washed away in it. But you know, when you're a good team like that, that still might have a couple pieces, you go out there, you take advantage of that. And the Yankees absolutely did take advantage of that situation. So, kudos to them having one of the they might have the best record in the American League, if I'm not mistaken. 
you know, at this uh, given point in time. I think they have a game over the, over the Twins. They do. I think so. Yeah. So, and also too, you know, we talked about the Twins. We talked about them how they might win the division this year, and it looks like the, it's going to happen. But with that being said, kudos to Rocco Baldelli, first year manager for the Minnesota Twins. That guy just knows what he's doing, it seems like, in his first year. You know, he does. He's pushing the right buttons. He's played on a team. He played on teams in Tampa Bay that were really underrated, and he brings that mentality over. And now, bam, there he is as their, as their, uh, as their manager. You know, so them and Sonny Gray. Shout out to Sonny Gray, by the way, for making it to the All-Star game and putting up the numbers that he has and in a band box. In a band box. And, you know. And you called it too, Will. And thank you. But, you know, you kind of got to expect that. You know, you kind of got to expect a guy like that that's still in his prime, that still has the great stuff. And everybody no. says that he can't pitch here in New York. Everybody says that he can't do this, do that. Listen, the bottom line is this. You, you get away from New York if you're a pitcher, especially in the American League, and good things will happen to you. It's been proven time in and time out. You know, A.J. Burnett found himself in Pittsburgh. You know, Sonny Gray found himself here in Cincinnati. Am I missing anybody else? Andy Pettit, another guy, found himself, even though he was beloved here in New York. Roger Clemens kept on winning Cy Young Awards, you know, in Houston. So there's there's always that aspect of it. But whenever a pitcher comes here to New York and plays at Yankee Stadium, whether it be at the old Yankee Stadium or even at the new Yankee Stadium, there's always that thing. There's always that aspect of, well, can you get them over the hump? Listen, it happened. And Sonny Gray's doing it right now. And he still has his stuff. Everybody wants to talk about, oh, he used the slider too much. He, Larry Rothschild, you know, put it in his head that he's got to keep on throwing that slider. No, do it. Do whatever it is that you got to do in order to, to succeed, man. You know, that's the bottom line. Sonny Gray did an absolutely uh, fantastic job going out there first half of the season. Can't wait to see what he does during the second half. And if the if the Reds do decide to fall off or even if they could keep him, he's a piece moving forward. He could be a, a future Cy Young Award winning candidate. Yeah, well, so my so my uh, first half of storylines is I'll start off in the National League world. The NL Central, the last place team, which is said Reds, they're only four and a half games up. And I kind of predicted this in the MLB a preview with the NL Central and the NL East that both teams will beat up on, uh, that all teams will beat up on. Uh, it's kind of like one of those like final of season type of deals. And the Cubs are in first place, but the Brews are right there, the Cubs are right there, the Pirates are right there. And the Reds are four games under 500, but they're four and a half games out of the division lead. The, the NL Central is the only team that has each team, I'm sorry, the only division that has each team has spend a day in first place. That is crazy. Right. And, then, <laughs> how... and listen, the Reds, we can mention the Reds again because, you know, like you said, Sean, they're in that division. You know, their run differential is plus 27 in their last place. And it's all because of their pitching staff. It's crazy, you know. And they're, right. And 
Uh, right. So it's just like, that's just crazy, man. So, well, but my second storyline, I'm, I'm going to go to your division, but not to your team, well, the Red Sox. I'm not going to lie. Now, now, I know they have a winning record, but, and I know that 10-game West Coast trip to begin the season didn't help them. <laughs> but listen, you have to play the games that is on the uh, schedule. But I didn't think they were going to be, they're not bad, but I just expected better coming off a World Series. I know I knew they were going to have to hang then over. Every team does. I knew they couldn't repeat that, what, what? 108-win season that they had. Everybody knew that, but I expected more out of Sale, and he's let everybody down. David Price, Porcello. Now, I know the stadium overseas wasn't the best and the ball was flying, but they gave up, what, 30 runs in two games? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yes, the Yankees, one through nine, everybody could hit the ball out of the park, but still, 30 runs? <laughs> That's just beyond me so I would say the NL Central for how crazy it's been and the world champs will are not even looking like a playoff team right now so you know unless the Rays make a deal and or you know make a run pretty safe bet that the Yankees are going to run away with the the American League East you know I I think the Yankees don't really make a move here for a starting pitcher I don't if you're looking at it from that perspective, as far as you know, teams running away with the division, I think that they're fine the way how they how they're constructed. And I think we mentioned it before with the Islanders. Sometimes the best move that you can make is the move that you don't make. And you know that might be fingernails on a chalkboard for a lot of Yankee fans listening in. But for me personally, think about this: within the next two to three years, right? Hypothetically speaking. If the Yankees don't get Madison Bumgarner, but they still have Clint Frazier, they still have all these young kids coming up in the in the pool and everything like that, and they try to build their team up for the next for the next run for for four to five years, Brett Gardner's not going to be here, you know, probably next year. Maybe he'll ride off into the sunset somewhere. Who knows? You know, John Carlos Stanton probably be a DH at this point in time. And everybody talks about the Frazier defensive woes and everything like that. You cannot deny the fact that this guy is a great hitter in Clint Frazier. He is an absolute 100% knows how to hit the ball. Got fast hands. He's fast. And he cares about winning. He does. You know, you want to go have that tirade after the month? You know, he's still young. It is what it is. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's crazy. You know, it's crazy how some people want to get rid of uh, Clint Frazier already just because of that. But if you're going to get back a Madison Bumgarner in return, I also see the upside of Mad Bum coming over here. But then, you know, can Mad Bum produce? Can he be what Sonny Gray was supposed to be? That's the question. Well... I'm 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 torn on what the Yankees should do because on one hand the Yankees are also a product of the division being really a two team race. I'm not even counting uh, the Boston. So of course they're going to beat up on Baltimore. I'm pretty sure they're going to take two out of three and or sweep 
uh, Toronto this uh, weekend. And the Yankees drew the National League West, which outside of the Dodgers, who are also running the way uh, over there, you know, they play the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, blah, blah, blah. So the Yankees are, are doing what they're supposed to do. They're beating teams that, that they're supposed to beat. But my thing is in the playoffs, Paxton, I don't think, has pitched in the playoffs yet. Well, I could be wrong, but I don't think he has. Now, Tanaka has the CC pitch, or does he become a um, long arm guy? And I have no confidence in J.A. Happ, and it doesn't look like Severino is coming back anytime soon. So to me, it's like, you know, for insurance purposes, well, I would get an arm, but I wouldn't get a Scherzer, who I doubt the Nationals are going to give up. They're not going to get rid of him. They're not going to get rid of him. Right. I wouldn't go after Mad Bum only because he's a free agent and you're hearing that he wants to stay in the National League because he wants to hit. I mean, he's one of the best hitters in the sport. It doesn't matter that he obviously pitches. So, I mean, I don't know which other arm. You know, it sucks that the Yankees and Mets will never make a trade because both teams have what each other uh, that what each other wants and what each other needs. But, um, you know, well, I think they need an arm, but they don't have to go crazy. They don't have to go, you know, Scherzer, Mad Bum, whoever else. They could go after, I heard the name um, um, uh, Matt Boyd uh, the other day. And the Tigers are going nowhere. That's a good one. To stay with that team, I know Jordan uh, Zimmerman is making a whole boatload of cash for it. The Tigers are, are willing to take on most of that, and we throw in a prospect to offset that. I'll take him. Um, you know, like, just another arm. We don't, they don't have to go crazy in terms of the big name, but if you're one, two, three in the ALDS, let's say it's Tanaka, Paxton, and that third arm, and then, you know, you obviously you have a CC and Hap. At the back end, I will feel more confident, Will, than one of those other two guys being the third guy because, well, as we know, in the playoff, the game gets slower. Right. And so can the offense explode when the game gets slower? It's not uh, a guarantee. So just for insurance purposes, I would just do it, but it doesn't have to be a guy that you got to give up the whole form for right and you know we gotta see what happens there with the uh the pinstripes but moving forward now from the yankees over to the metropolitans sean your boy pete alonzo won the home run derby your boy jeff mcneil is leading the league in batting average at this point in time i believe and jacob Degrom made it to the all-star game so Kudos to them. Second half of the year is coming up, and many Met fans are writing them out, even though they're only, what, seven and a half games out of that final wild card spot? Sean, do you have any hope for this team at all, or do you see them blowing it all apart come the trade deadline? Well, well, they're not going to blow it apart only because Brody and the Wilpons aren't going to do that. I think what they're going to do is they're going to get rid of the guys who are uh, free agents, which will be... Frazier and Zach Wheeler. You're hearing rumblings about the synagogue, which you could get a haul for because 
Syndergaard is under control for the next two years. He's under freedom until after 2021. So, um, but well, I mean, you know, it's, 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 you know, we're 40 and 50. So I mean, it's, just, it's, it's like, you know, it's like at this point, you know, it's clear as day that the Braves are probably going to win the division because they've separated themselves from, from the, uh, the Phillies, uh, the Braves, another team though, that people thought were a one year, Wonder, but they but they're certainly shown that they're going to be uh, um, around. And well, speaking of the Braves, well, I wish the Mets could do what the Braves did. Well, the Braves were bad for like the last two or three years, but they restocked the guys. They made the they made that big Dansby uh, Swanson trade. They got the Acunas and Albies, and you know they traded for this guy. They signed that guy, and most of their pitchers. Are homegrown, similar to the Mets, and they were really willing to sacrifice two, three years to set up themselves for the next ten. And I get it; the Mets are in a big market. You don't want to have to sacrifice. You want to win games. Will the Yankees sacrifice a year or two to set themselves up for the next ten years? Right. A, a, a lot of people forget. The Yankees didn't make the uh, playoffs. What year was that, Will? Uh, you would know better than, uh, better than me, Will. What, what was that year that they uh, missed out, Will? They missed out. They missed out in 2016. <laughs> right. And, Will, you, you, and everybody thought, oh, my God, Cashman has to go. They're going to blow up the team. They're going to do that. And Brian Cashman said, watch this. Judge came up. You got hit. You brought up this guy, you made this trade, you got this guy, boom. ALCS game seven, the very next year. <laughs> the very next year. Yeah. So to me, it's just like, you know, the Yankees knew that that team wasn't good. They knew that, look, you know what? Let's just, you know, call it quits. Let's do what we have to do. And to me, and you look what the Yankees did that was so smart. Look. The Yankees traded Chapman they got Glaber and got Chapman back. Right. That's why the Yankees win. Because you make smart moves like that. Oh, yeah. Well, if you want Chapman um, for your World Series one run, you have to give us the best uh, prospect that you have, or else you don't. And, well, both teams won. Glaber is going to be a superstar. The Cubs got their ring, ring, which obviously Chapman helped them get, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The don't make those type of deals. Oh, well. And that's the part that well, I, well, I guarantee you, whoever we get for Frazier and Wheeler are going to be bums. I guarantee it because because those are the moves that we make. We don't make impact moves like the team across the borough does. So, well, do I have faith? Very, very little faith. I just want to see Jeff McNeil at the second base. That's where he needs to be. He's not a left fielder, a right fielder, and to me. It sucks because you're paying Cano all this money, but will I? But will truth be told, I will sit him, bro. I will sit him down, and when Brandon Nimmo comes back, my everyday lineup will is going to be Dominic Smith in left, Conforto in center, Nimmo in right. Mm. Then I will go J J D Davis at third, Rosario at short, McNeil at second, Alonso at first, Ramos behind the plate. And then 
obviously whoever is a pitcher. Now that would never take place because Cano is never going to sit making 30, 40 million. But to me, you have to see what this young uh, lineup could do. Well, with the exception of Wilson uh, Ramos, do you do you know what Nemo, Conforto, McNeil, Rosario, J.D. Davis, Dominic Smith, and Peter uh, Hanzo? Do you know what all those guys have in Commonwealth? That they're under team control? Slash, they are all under the age of 30. All those guys are young. I think the oldest guy that I just said in that whole group was McNeil, and McNeil is only 27, Will. Right. That's the crazy part. This team has talent. Mm-hmm. But to me, that should have been the lineup from day one. From from Washington series in March, whatever day that was, that should have been a lineup well. So I hope they made that move. I know they won't. I hope they do, but we shall see. But it was nice to see our shining star get his due. He won the home run derby. He drove in two runs in the All-Star game. Well, and we now have our, our Aaron uh, Judge. The Yankees have Aaron Judge, who's going to be, I'm pretty sure he's going to win an MVP or two or three. I know he's going to bring a ring or two or three to the Bronx. We now have that hope, that guy that could hopefully do for us what Judge has done since he's, uh, since he's been up here. And you look at the Mets schedule right now, going into going out of the uh, All-Star break, you got Miami for three down in Miami, an off day on Monday. Then they travel up to Minnesota for, for two on Tuesday and Wednesday at Target Field, and they fly over to San Francisco for a four-game set with the Giants over at uh, Pac Bell Park or whatever you want to call it now over in San Francisco. And then they come home right after that the following week for a six-game homestand, three against San Diego Tuesday to Thursday, and then against Pittsburgh uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's going to be pretty interesting to say the very least – what the Mets might do here. I mean, listen, anything's possible. The Phillies haven't done anything. The Nationals have been absolutely the talk of the town after May 24th. And the Braves are the Braves. They're one of the best teams in baseball. You know, however, I do believe that the Mets will come back. I mean, listen, you can only go through so much and you can only learn so much from your past mistakes. And the Mets, I feel like the All-Star break could not have come at a better time than where they were going uh, at at first uh, at first glance. So, you know, there's a lot that remains to be seen. And, Sean, did you also see with what the Mets did after uh, Pete Alonso won the home run derby? Sean? Well, the Mets wound up going out there and just, they wound up playing and basically marking 80% of their uh, tickets from face value, marking them 80% down. Crazy. Can you believe that? That is, you know, just when you think you've heard it all, Will, (laughs) something else just, you know, you just hear or you just see something else that just makes you think completely that makes you have a completely different thought of what you had thought previous to what that was. So 
I definitely cannot uh, believe that one. I mean, it's it's insane. You know, it really is insane that here here you are, professional baseball franchise. You're trying to get anybody, any which way, shape, or form into the into City Field, and you mark down almost all of your ticket prices down to eighty percent. I mean, you, if you're trying to keep up with the secondary seller out there on StubHub, then you know what the Mets and Everybody that's involved in that organization, congratulations, because you're doing a wonderful job of doing that. But outside of that, man, you know, that's unbelievable. 80% off tickets. Face value. And I, I listen, I know they play the Yankees already. I know they play the Yankees already. But, man, that is just absolutely insane. Well, because they know nobody's going to come to the games if if they were a regular price, well. Well, it's true. And, and, it's and, true. and to me, and to me, the only reason to go to Mets games once they do trade Wheeler and Frazier and they do admit that the season is, you know, going to be another dud is to see Peter Alonso and to see Jacob DeGrom. Well, Jacob DeGrom was an all-star. He's four and seven. Thank God the fans know that he's a better pitcher than that, well. Yeah. But he's four and seven. Right. What all-star is deserving of an all-star nod at four and seven? A guy that's probably the best pitcher in the league, and he gets a run a game, maybe two, right? Maybe it's crazy. So it's just, I, I don't know what, but I mean, well, man, I, I wish I could sell my fandom, man. I, I really, really don't can. sell your fandom. I, don't, don't do that. I want to become well. I no. want to become a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Well, why not, well? What? Why not, well? What? Out of your mind, in Josh Bell, I trust. Oh no, 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 no. You're not doing that. You're not doing that, bud. You're, you're not doing that. No, no, I don't want to hear that. That's a lame excuse, by the way. I'm going to sell my fandom. Come on. I'm kidding, Will. I'm, I'm. I know you're kidding. But can you blame me, Will? But no, no. That's like me. That's like me saying, all right. After Mark Sanchez in the butt fumble, I'm going to sell my Jet fandom. For what reason? You well, know? but previous to that, Mark Sanchez was the quarterback of a team that almost went to two Super Bowls, Will. Still, well, though. Still, still the though. Mets have gave me in a, is a surprising World Series run. And then what about a 2000? playoff the year after that, which we all knew they were going to lose. Because Bumgarner doesn't lose in the uh, a playoffs, well, right. I felt so bad because why Noah Syndergaard pitched his heart out, and the whole time I'm there watching the game, like they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose, they're gonna lose, and what happened? Well, they lost the game. Uh, and since then, don't, well, don't the only thing the Mets have given me since then is Yoenis Cespedes. Will, first of all, first of all, Will, it is very, very difficult, Will. To injure your heel, you could hurt your Achilles and your calf, a la KD. Mm-hmm. Well, it is very difficult to injure your heel. But guess what happens when you play for the New York Mets? Well, you injure both your heels. <laughs> and that's what the Mets will. Name me one person in your life that you've heard say, damn, well, I hurt my heel. Thank you, Will. <laughs> you don't even have to answer. 
because I know the answer is maybe zero, maybe one. That's it. But when you're a fan of the Mets, you get a player that hurts both their heels. Do you understand, Will? Because I don't think that you do, man. I, I, <laughs> I, really I do. Know. I do. I mean, you know, I get it. Injuries happen. You know, I mean, weird, Will, crazy things happen. Both their heels. Both of them. I don't know. I really don't. I'm sorry. But, oh, my God. This team just makes you want to drink, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, you better not be drinking now. That's for sure. Definitely not. But, oh, my hmm. God. It's just like, can we catch one break? Please. Yeah. Please. You'll get it. They'll get it. They'll get their break soon. Maybe it'll happen right after the All-Star break. Who knows? Sean, you have any final thoughts on this episode? Well, my final thoughts is we need to go into negotiation so I could sell my Mets a fandom. How about that for a... You're horrible. Thought, You're huh? horrible huh? for saying that. You're horrible Jesus for Christ. saying that. My final no thought... No final thoughts other, other than that, Will. I'm my sorry. final thought, okay... First of all, my final thought goes to Team USA, women's team, winning it all. Congratulations to them, to the soccer team. Bravo. But my final thought, my real final thought goes out to the mayor of this of this fine city and Bill de Blasio. Okay? Bill, what the hell are you doing giving these girls, and I'm for the girls getting a parade, equal quality, everything like that. But, Bill, this city... Okay, you talk about it being in debt and everything like that. Where was the parade for the 2017 Team USA baseball team that wound up winning the World Baseball Classic? Where was the parade for the 2012 and 2016 gold medal Olympics for Team USA basketball? Where was, and many other Team USA uh, varieties, you only hosted this parade because you wanted to get a vote for... Your 2020 election coming up in a matter of just about a year. That's the only reason why you threw a parade. Leave politics out of sports, please. You want to go out there and try to get a vote? Go out there and do it. Do what's right for the city of New York. Try and clean up the city. Try to make the city a better place instead of what it is right now. That's all I got to say on that. Because, Bill, quite honestly, you're not going to be our president in 2020. You're not going to be that Democratic leader that's going to be leading against Donald Trump. It's not going to happen. So quit while you're ahead and just, you know, focus in on other things besides giving a team that, yeah, they won. They won. They won something great. Fantastic. I'm all for women's equality. I'm all for all that stuff. But when you're trying to go out there and garner a vote shame on you just make the city better make make your actions speak louder than your words do bottom line that's all i gotta say on that well tell them well tell them uh why you're mad will jeez (laughs) and i'm all listen i'm all for it i'm all for them getting their getting their due and winning it absolutely I'm all for it. However, it's just something that, quite honestly, it just irks me. You know, this guy is probably one of the worst mayors in New York. And, you know, we hear all the time with the city being in debt. And yet you're throwing a a parade 
where where was the parade when you were when eight years ago when you got in for Team USA for basketball in 2012 and 2016? Where was the parade for the 2017 World Baseball Classic champion Team USA baseball? Where was that? It wasn't there. He only threw that for a vote, Sean. He only threw it trying to get the female vote. Now, I'm going to leave politics out because I don't talk about politics. I don't like it. But that's the only reason why he did it. And that's it. Shout out well, to the well, women. I, shout out to I, the women's I, team for winning, by the way. I will agree that de Blasio hasn't done a very good job since becoming uh, a mayor. But, um, but yeah, well, you know, now, now that you say, you know, I was kind of surprised when I heard they were having a, um, a ticket parade. I was like, oh, I thought they would just have like a little stadium ce- uh, celebration where wherever they they consider their home base. That's what I'm saying. I that was going to be it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But yet, right. you know, you get all – it's the world that we live in, man. It's just absolutely crazy. But, hey, sometimes you got to accept – you got to accept it. But he only – like I said before, he only threw that ticker tape parade for trying to get a vote in 2020. That's it because he knows that he's going to get – he's going to get something. He might not get anything at all. Man's desperate. That's all I got to say. Well, all right. Well, sounds good to me. <laughs> you know, just got to just throw that out there, man. You know, that's all. Just, it's a shame. But whatever. It is what it is. For everybody, well, um, what's up? I, uh, sorry, well, I, I do have one more final thought. Well, Go ahead. Um, rest in peace to Tyler uh, Skaggs, man. Oh, yeah. And rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs, too. Totally forgot about that. Rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs. Thanks for bringing that up. It was up. very nice to see, uh, yes, definitely nice to see uh, Tommy LaStella and uh, uh, Mike Trout rocking that uh, 45 during uh, the All-Star game, man. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it, it, I can't imagine losing a teammate. I can't imagine losing a teammate during the uh, the season, man. So, you know, and, and, and you know, he's and he was one of their most um, – a consistent arm. So, and well, it's actually funny because I play at um, MLB the show. Like I'm a huge fan of that game. Right. And I, and I do um, fantasy drafts where, you know, I just draft players from different teams and I normally draft Tyler, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I normally draft him because he is, you know, was he the best uh, guy? No, but you know, he was a very consistent uh, pitcher, you know, like you, could give him you no know, five solid innings, six, and you know, obviously he was very, very well loved. You see how the team and the baseball and the community reacted to him. So, twenty-seven, well, twenty-seven and gone. You're way too young, man. Yeah, too young indeed, man. You know, you never know what might happen in life. Here today, gone tomorrow. Uh, rest in peace to Tyler Skaggs, and our thoughts and condolences and our prayers go over to the Skagg family as well for uh, for what had happened. Uh, with Tyler, did did we ever find out the case on how he uh, passed away, Sean, or no? I just know that they ruled out uh, foul play. I know that they ruled that out, but uh, right. I know that they're doing the autopsy. So hopefully he didn't uh, suffer before he uh, passed, man. Yeah, hopefully not, man. Hopefully not. Well, you know, he's hopefully he's in a better place, and uh, you know, may he rest in peace and. 
like I said, our thoughts and our prayers and our condolences go over to the Skaggs family and to, you know, his, uh, his, his wife too, you know, they just got married, everything like that here in the story. And, you know, here they are trying to build a future together. And then the next thing you know, you know, tragedy happens. That's unspeakable. So, you know, it's, uh, it's sad. For, um, uh, forget, Will, 2011. 2009, Nick Aidenhart, 2009. Right, right. 2009. So, yeah. I mean, it's sad to say this, but they kind of know how to deal with this type of thing. But to have the same thing happen to you twice in such a 10 short 10 year span, I don't know, man. But it's, it's, no, no, nobody ever wants to go through an unexpected death. And, you know, for them, it's, you know, they've, They've handled it with class, and they've basically given, you know, the Skag family, and they they went out there and they suspended their game against Texas. I think that day that uh, Tyler passed away, and you know, it's uh, it's a shame, you know, it really is a shame. But you know, our like I said, our condolences and our prayers, and go out to the Skaggs family because that is something that's truly, truly uh, something that you don't ever want to ever want to see or talk about but you know on that note sean uh for everybody here at on the board sports and at gotham podcast studios in manhattan new york uh for my wonderful co-host sean thomas i'm your host will Cherucci logging off we'll talk to you guys soon peace out